I was going to ask you how you built it. Like, how did you find that information and how did you decide to display it? Yeah. So for some of the websites, you could just, um, the network tab on Chrome is my best, best friend. We go out on dates every Saturday. Oh, you um, hacked the matrix. You got in there. <laughs> yeah. This episode is sponsored by CircleCI. Designed for modern software teams, CircleCI's continuous integration and delivery platform helps developers push code with confidence. Trusted by thousands of companies, from four-person startups to Fortune 500 businesses, CircleCI helps teams take their software from idea to delivery quickly, safely, and at scale. Visit circleci.com overflow to learn why high-performing DevOps teams use CircleCI to automate and accelerate their CI-CD pipelines. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk about software, coding, all things technology. I'm Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, and I'm joined, as usual, by my wonderful co-hosts, Paul and Sarah. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. Good day. Good day. Good day. I realized, I realized oh, crap, I did it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Whatever global time it is, morning to you, good. Um, I realized I introduced myself now with the title, and I don't give you two the chance to plug. So if you want to do a personal plug right up front instead of just at the end, now's your chance. I'm Sarah Chips, and uh, <laughs> by Jewelbots. Yeah, great. <laughs> I'm Paul Ford, and I have a lot of minions. There we go. There minions, we are. no, we're peers. <laughs> At the beginning of the COVID-19, um, we had a few things that we discussed. The big one was COBOL and how the unemployment systems had shut down. Mm. And sort of the second wave of that, the websites can't handle it, was when the vaccine came online and people were able to sign up. So there are many stories from many states, just people in intense frustration. Um, I think my boss ended up getting on the news after he tried to help his dad through like Eventbrite or something. Some kind of was just like, go on Eventbrite and sign up. You know, it was like really a mishmash of stuff. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Worst party. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, Eventbrite's good. It's got that. It is a scalable platform for, you know, events where there are, it's where the events are a rare commodity and ticketing has to be prioritized, right? Yeah. All that queuing system stuff is really, really hard to pull off. And so. Here in America, we do vaccines through Eventbrite and you pay for it through a GoFundMe. That's just how we do it. This is what we do. But I heard a great story on, I think it was on public radio. And I want to introduce our guest today, Olivia Adams. Hello, Olivia. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. So the story as I heard it, and feel free to correct this, was sort of along the lines of frustrated developer at home during the pandemic, taking care of two kids while also juggling with other stuff. You got on the vaccine site, you thought it was a mess. And so you made your own and it has become very popular in your state of Massachusetts. Tell me a little bit Tell me in your words what happened. Well, I think that you had probably the best summary that anyone has ever given for that. I just sound like Thank really yeah. like typing very fast and angry, just like, I'll fix this myself. Um, <laughs> I wasn't yeah. quite that upset. But <laughs> yeah, so my mother-in-law is a dental hygienist and she became eligible, I, I guess, like m- maybe like a month and a half ago now. And um she was telling me that it was like kind of a pain to figure out how to sign up for an appointment. And then she had to do the same thing when her father became eligible like a week later. And so I looked online, I was like, well, what's this that everybody's freaking out about? And I saw what a lot of states have, which is just like a list of all of these different websites you can go to, one for Walgreens, one for CVS, one for this health center, one for that health center. And all of these websites make you fill out like four forms with all of your personal information. And then when you're finally done, they say, 
oh, nothing available. Have fun. Try somewhere else. <laughs> and it's just a Yikes. huge time sink, not to mention, like, you have to know where to go and how to navigate that complicated system. And so I was like, there must be something that we can do, like, as software developers to make this a lot easier. And so that's why I started working on it. You know, we've been actually, my my wife is literally downstairs right now. We've been calling and helping older and more vulnerable folks in the community to just kind of fill out the website. And then we print out their VAX tickets and mail them to them, right? Like it's, these systems are so hard for people, right? So mm -hmm. what, you made the decision to do this, like, where do you start? Who are you helping and, and what, how are you kind of making decisions and what did you start to build? Yeah, so when I saw this, like the immediate problem at hand was that people were having trouble figuring out how to navigate the system. They didn't know where to go to sign up. They couldn't tell what places had availability. And they were spending hours just to find out that there was none. So I thought, how can I solve this? Like, there must be a way that we can figure out, like, in real time, what places have availability and just, like, put it in one website. So that's what I did. And that helps with some of the accessibility issues that we're seeing just broadly, because mm -hmm. especially older citizens who don't know how older residents, rather, that don't know how to navigate all these different websites, like, it's much easier for them to say, okay, let me scroll down this list, find somewhere that's close to me and click sign up, and then I can figure out how to fill out this form and things like that. Or I can get a family member, trusted neighbor or friend to do this for me. But now, like, my website is a lot less useful because there's so much competition right now, at least in Massachusetts, for these, for these slots. And so I'm, what I'm trying to do now is partner with an organization that's doing basically what you're doing, Paul, and helping book appointments for people and sending them their confirmation information because there's just there's still so much work that needs to be done. No, I that's think this great. is real. Like it, it's we're in this funny world where a website is not actually a, even a good accessible website is actually not the peak of accessibility, right? Like it's, absolutely, and this this is where government is good. Like government can mail a card to every citizen if it so chooses, or or make phone calls or things like that. I was going to ask you how you built it. Like, how did you find that information, and how did you decide to display it? Yeah, so for some of the websites, you could just. Um, the network tab on Chrome is my best, best friend. We go out on dates every Saturday. Oh, you um, hacked the matrix. You got in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, we, you know, I just check and see, like, how are, how are the websites themselves displaying availability? Quite a few have APIs that if they're not public, you can at least, like, navigate to the website and then, you know, and then ping the API. So that's how we do a lot of it. And some of the websites are not so great. So um, I don't know if you all have heard of the company PrepMod. They do a lot of the, like, state-sponsored locations both in Massachusetts and other states across the country and they do not have an API everything's rendered on the server side and they just spit out some HTML so I have to use an actual like scraper we're using node and puppeteer to to grab information from those kinds of websites and so of course you know they change a class name or like a div to a paragraph and then everything breaks and you have to like hurry up and try to fix it again it's it's fantastic <laughs> XML was supposed to solve this, but everyone had to do their JSON and then their class names. We could, we could have semantic data flying around being styled in the browser. But anyway, that, that's not really what this yeah, is about. Yeah, people seem to not be prioritizing. Semantic web, the dream yeah. will never die. Yeah. Oh, it'll, just, someday. you know, nice semantic structure in our, in our documents would have said, you know, again, not what this is about. <laughs> kind so, of is, though. 
<laughs> it is a little bit, right? So, so actually taking the like healthcare systems, big mm-hmm. platforms, sometimes you can go inspect the element, see the API, and actually see the JSON that's output and 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 back it out. So this became a, you know, this happened and it was public. Did you get any feedback from people? Because you're scraping, you're going in and, and kind of helping yourself to the data that they kind of didn't want you to to go get, right? Like, how did you negotiate that? My mantra is ask forgiveness, not permission. So, um, so I mean, data itself uh, like that is is public. So, so there's not much that's um, kind of shady or, or dangerous in that way. And the other thing is, of course, we have public good on our side, right? Nobody's going to be yeah. upset with you. Like, CVS isn't going to come after me and be like, you're making it easier for people to book appointments. Like, don't do that. Well, like, that's you're horrible not creating place. a private booking system, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's, absolutely. You're creating, mm-hmm. you're trying to improve and create a public utility. So that, exactly. yes, I mean, I think everybody's going to be like, okay, benefit of the doubt here, right? It's interesting, though, because you can... Like you're right, and I, I feel that the platforms are open, but it it gets peop- it stays gray for too long, right? Like this is open data; it should be possible. To, the fact that mm-hmm. I'm even asking this question is is sort of ridiculous, but yeah. And some of these websites we do have like bot detection and things like that, and you just kind of wonder why. But um, but you <laughs> yeah, know, I mean, but those big yeah. companies don't want to talk to to little old me. So yeah, you know why? Because it's it's because there was a governance meeting and there's the security audit and they're like, well, we can't allow unlimited usage of this API and people mm-hmm. will throttle it. And you know, just like you've been in those meetings, right? And and then they spackle that on. Um, and and now Olivia has a whole afternoon of unspackling it ahead of her. Yeah, pretty much. So Olivia, let's back up just a little bit. Can you tell us about uh, how you got into computers and software development? Like what brought you to the place you are now? Yeah, a bunch of like kind of happenstance events brought me to web development. When I was applying for college, I looked at a list of majors and I thought that computer engineering sounded fun, even though I had no idea what it meant. Uh, and so that was my major. And I, I fell in I love mean, with it. Who I does? I know. When, when, when are we going to figure that one out? I'm just picturing, like, if I didn't know what it meant, I'd kind of, like, I think of it being, maybe it's like the Shining Time Station engineer, you know, where you get to, like, be on the train and be friends with all the trains. Maybe that's too esoteric. Ooh. Sorry. Yeah, but I picked that out and then... Um, when I went to school, I, you know, started taking actual like hardware classes and doing some like embedded software. And I really, really liked it. I just like love doing that kind of like low level problem solving. And then it came time to look for a job. And I ended up having to decide between two companies. One was doing what I majored in and the other was where I work now at Athena Health, which is all web development for um, health software IT. And the only reason that I had applied to Athena is because a friend of mine who was in college choir with me worked there and convinced me to apply, even though they didn't have like a position that I was interested in. Uh, but I fell in love with the company and I decided I'd give it a shot and I'm still there six years later. And the skills I've learned obviously has allowed me to do a ton of really cool stuff, like make this website. So I love it. Yeah, you still, how did you still singing? Wait, wait, no, we're not done with college choir yet. <laughs> okay, college choir. Because I've noticed yeah. college choir is one of those things that it doesn't always stop when college stops. 
Paul, this is your chance to tell us about your acapella group. No, what was no, it called no, again? no. We're, ta- we're talking to Olivia. <laughs> oh, you can talk the to resistors. me about my acapella group. You're right. It doesn't stop. I actually I actually helped start an acapella group at Athena, which it, which had a short life, uh, but uh, it was fun while it lasted. That's so great. <laughs> See, I know nerd culture. You, once you get the bug. Once you yep. get the bug. Sarah and Olivia are actually, actually real engineers who know how microchips work. I spackle together documents, but nonetheless, <laughs> like I, I know my nerds. Okay, good. So we're still singing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how did your work respond to to this? I mean, it's it's healthcare related. It seems like a neat thing to work on. Yeah, they've been incredible. So uh, I'm on week four of paid leave after maternity leave. So right before I was supposed to come back, um, we all hopped on a call, my manager, my manager's manager, and, and some other important people. And they were like, you're doing great work. We want to support you. Like, take a little bit of time. To continue working on this, cool. if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that's so the best. Four weeks oh my god, like it's the lot. opposite story of all. I know the other that's stories. the best reaction know, right? possible. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure they're happy, like that they're getting like a little publicity out of this too, yeah. and like it's a good story, and, and everybody's very like excited uh, that I work there and that I'm doing this work. Um, and now I'm um, starting next week. I'm going to take four weeks unpaid leave. I got some money from the GoFundMe, so I'm I'm going to pay myself so I can try to like get this running on its own and and let a lot of volunteers help out so I can go back to work. That's Very great. Cool. Yeah. This this brings us to it. Yeah, the, the next phase of every podcast where we talk about the challenges of maintaining a successful open source project. Well, what's our stack? Let's start, what's what's yeah. your stack? Yeah, <laughs> what's your stack? Handing it off to the public. <laughs> My stack is, um, so I'm using an S3 bucket for JSON, no database currently. Yeah, uh, that's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, we need, we need to get a database soon. So we're working on that currently. And then I'm using Node, Puppeteer for scraping, and then a React front end. So all in AWS. I'm liking it a lot. This is for me the most confusing thing when I talk to people who are doing engineering at scale these days. Where these days, hey, who are your children? <laughs> um, where because it's like, yeah, I gotta get a database someday. I gotta figure, and I'm like, what, what, what? Like that's how where is, is that magic information just living? <laughs> talk about that for a minute. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right, like. Okay, you you just said something that actually kind of blew my mind, which is no, no, no. Well, we need to figure out what to do with our data. Like months in successful launch, people use this. It's working. It's scraping, gathering lots of data. Talk a little bit about your data layer, because I bet a lot of our listeners are also going like, huh. Sure. I think that it's a great way to get things started if you have data like mine. So every time we run a, a scrape, you know, we do that every minute. We just output a giant JSON file with all of the data that we grabbed in, in a semi-structured format. We try to keep things consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and initially what I had was just one JSON file in an S3 bucket, and every minute it would just get overwritten with the most up-to-date data. And then the developers that were working with me were like, Olivia, this is not sustainable. This is kind of a bad idea. In the long term, <laughs> we should at least store the data as well. So not only now are we rewriting the same JSON file every minute, we're also storing snapshots uh, each time it runs with a timestamp JSON file as well. So no, but you have you have structured data that can be readily interpreted by your app and you know shared with the its audience. So I mean it's yeah. not that is kind of a database. It just doesn't it allow is. queries. It's it's just, you know, okay, everyone can relax. I can relax. Okay. Good. good <laughs> Sometimes good. you don't it's need big magic. query. 
Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, but not not when you talk to most developers. Most are like, we're going to need to make sure we have BigQuery up there in front. All right, so that is good and hacky and has worked really well. Talk a little bit too, just about the GoFundMe. Right. So like, you brought together and you just mentioned other developers. Right. How mm-hmm. did a community cohere? Like, where do people show up from to help? Because I think when people take that first step, they wonder like, who's going to help me? What am I going to do? Yeah. So my story is unique in that. Everybody came to me and I was not initially looking for help. You know, I I started this as one of the many side projects that I start for a week and don't intend on ever going anywhere with it. And it blew up. And so, you know, by the time like the media got hold of it, which was like 12 hours after I posted about it on Twitter or something, which was like my first time using Twitter, by the way. So now I'm in love. Wow. <laughs> but they, yeah, oh, they were like, yeah, allow me give to. It time. I was just getting emails left and right, though. Like everybody wants to help out with this, right? Like who wouldn't want to help out with a project like this if they had any spare time? So not only did I receive emails from like over 50 developers in Massachusetts, like within like 48 hours, I also heard from so many people who didn't have tech skills. So I wasn't able to leverage them at least immediately, but that just wanted to help out however they could. Everybody's sitting at home twiddling their thumbs thinking, what can I do to make this make this hell like a little easier and, and mm-hmm. faster? How did you coordinate them? Because suddenly you're organizing, a, you, have a, you have a company on the side that doesn't have any revenue and fulfills a, a necessary public health service mm-hmm. uh, and a large group of volunteers. So that's a fun position to be in. All of yeah, the it's you, great. What? What? How did you organize that? Because that, that's a lot of work. One of my strengths uh, that I play on a lot at Athena, so I've gotten a lot of practice with it, is team leading. Uh, so uh-huh. I've been oh. like a scrum master and tech lead for many years. Many years for me is like three or four. So, <laughs> but I've done sure. it for a while. Um, and so I'm used to corralling developers and like kind of putting my product management hat on a little bit uh, and managing lots of opinions, putting pins in discussions that go on too long, as happens a lot when you have a lot of developers in one room. Sure. Uh, hmm. And, you know, they also helped me organize as well. So like, I think a few of us had like a Zoom call and they're like, oh, we should set up a Slack workspace. And so we did, and we should use these tools and things like that. And so, you know, by collaborating just quickly with a few of them, we were able to set up a nice structure for everyone to work under. You know, this is, that is critical. It sounds like you had a group of people who, instead of saying we should, said I will. And that, that is yeah. unbelievably important, right? I've, it's We great. should is dangerous. We should yeah. is like. Or you mm. know what you should do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about if we, well, have Not we really considered? Yeah. I'm know, all about you know. action items and assigning them to people. So like, oh, you think we should do that? Great. Who wants to do it? And I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> Take your stack a little bit meta, right? Like I'm guessing, so Slack is, is a tool you were using. Any other mm-hmm. tools that were really, that stood out? I, I'm guessing GitHub. Like Yes, absolutely. GitHub is, is, you know, I'm using the project board to help with prioritization and trying to keep track of things. That's working all right. Most of our, our conversations are done in Slack, but I'm trying to keep all of our, our um, decision makings in GitHub and the GitHub repos as well. CICD has been key just because you don't know what other people's setup is. So like making sure that the code is formatted correctly and that all of the the linting rules are passing like you just can't trust anyone to be running that locally obviously so making sure that that's all set up and continuous deployment has been clutch as well because i'm busy working on a lot of stuff and letting things deploy whenever they're ready instead of waiting for me is really important what do you use for cicd uh, i use a, a bunch of random github actions that other people implemented for me no i mean <laughs> that's great that's, that's, that's yeah. tool, right? like, i just started is... getting pull requests they're like oh i added this thing i'm like great we need that thank you 
The whatever works here is also like whatever people are getting to vaccine appointments. Did you hear from the state? Did anyone reach out? A few days after it went live, it was brought up in one of the governor's press conferences. One of the um, news reporters asked him about it and he was like, we'll talk to her, give us her information. And so I had a meeting with a couple members of the state's coronavirus command center task force. And they were like, oh, we're making a website almost exactly like yours and it's going to go live this Friday. And maybe we'll talk to you after. And I didn't hear anything after. The The good uh, news is that, like, it's nice to have a site like mine that's, like, state-sponsored and, like, on the official website. The bad news is that it doesn't seem to be as robust and it's not hooked into as many locations as mine. So, but I'm glad that they did it. Wow. You're like, oh, adorable. You guys tried. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, like, I don't want to, like, push it by the wayside. I know that they, like, paid a lot of money for it. But, like, I mean, ooh. it's two different. Right. It's two different yeah. worlds, right? It like, is two I, different I think, worlds. It's not just that. It's one thing I think we've all learned from the vaccine. You know, I mean, you know what I remember? I remember hearing like, well, there's going to be two vaccines or, you know, there's, do we need two? Shouldn't we just have one that we make more of? And then you start to realize that unlike the principle of don't repeat yourself in, in, in programming where you're supposed to do everything exactly one and there's one API and one market leader, this is a, a situation where lots of redundancy is really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've signed up for four sites in New York City that will help me, you yeah. know, like, and they all will help me in a different way. One one will mm. tell me when there's appointments, <laughs> one will help, you know, like, and even some of them are redundant. And that's so helpful because I know they all have different info. That's right. So you're, you know, it's like, it's not competition. It's like, there they are. If they're getting people to vaccines and you're getting people to vaccines, then something's working. Exactly. We're all yeah. fighting this fight together. So, I mean, collaboration is certainly key, but... Like second best is just everybody doing whatever they can, like just throwing all of their stuff at I it. I mean, you're looking at two totally different cultures of getting stuff out, right? Like there's one mm-hmm. which is – it's not just governance. It's government and a set of rules and principles and policies and relationships that, are, that people are following. And then there's you, right? And and like you found some folks on Twitter and it's like, let's go. Let's get this done. Let's get this out. We're not going to bring those two cultures together in the middle of the pandemic and figure this out. It's too bad though. Yeah, it is too bad. I like what you said, though, that, that that people aren't trying to stand in your way, that there's a sense of a shared mission and like a collective need to do this right now. And so, that, you know, even if you're not working together the way you want, there's not too many roadblocks. Exactly. That's a nice thing. Well, I want to know, I want to know, has your mom gotten vaccinated? My mother-in-law, yeah, yeah, she did get vaccinated and so did her father. And so they're all set. And my mom actually in Florida, they're getting their first shot next week. So that's very exciting. Oh, awesome. Hooray. I'll be the last one to use my own website, so that'll be fun. This is very developer. We're like, it's like you built you built something that helps everyone, and it works for your family too. That's really nice. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, very developer. You built something that works for everyone but you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on, Olivia. It is that time of the episode. I'm going to read out a lifeboat. Uh, Shout out to somebody who took a question with a score of negative three and got it up to an answer of 20 or more. But I don't see any new lifeboats today. The last one was awarded March 4th. This is this is never. Yeah. So if you're listening to the podcast, we need a few lifeboats. Get on there. Otherwise, we have to find some other badges to read. We literally have someone on here just helping the community. And then that's right. No lifeboats. Instead, I'll point out that people's NFT art just sold for $69 million. So oh, we could just end maybe on we that do an note, episode so. on my NFT art. <laughs> yeah, how's your NFT game going? No? Okay. Good, I just bought a dead mouse NFT. It was, Sweet. It goes like... Sweet. It's great. Well, can I share a really annoying world-building question from Stack Exchange? 
Yes. Definitely. Hey, this I like when people ask, how can the intelligence of a super intelligent person be assessed? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Is it touching their nose without, <laughs> with their eyes closed? <laughs> I just feel anyone who asks that question is like kind of hinting a little bit. Like, can you, huh? How could can you? Can you guys could tell? You? Can you tell? <laughs> right. Do you know? It's like whenever you're on uh, Hacker News and they start talking about, you know, like gifted and talented programs and you're like, oh, yeah. no, no, no. Stay yeah, away. Have you seen my philosophy degree? Exactly. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper, and you can always email us podcast at stackoverflow.com. My name is Olivia Adams. I'm a software developer at Athena Health, uh, and I'm the creator of macovidvaccines.com. If you want to reach out, macovidvaccines at gmail.com, or my Twitter is livgust. You did everybody a favor by not making them spell Massachusetts. I feel that, yeah. that, was, that, was, that's, that was your first good user experience decision. It was just... <laughs> I'm Sarah Chips, uh, our director of community here at Stack Overflow, and you can find me on the blockchain at sarahjoe.eth. Oh, God, we're yes, doing that go now? Go buy some of Sarah's digital art. Oh, yes, we are. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready. My name is Paul Ford. I'm a friend of Stack Overflow. I'm the co-founder of a company called Postlight. Check us out online and come work for us. We're growing. Paul, where can people find your boring index funds if they want to invest <laughs> and get basically no return? Yeah, think, just type <laughs> Vanguard into Google. I'm not even a, I'm, no one's even paying me Mm-mm. except for my index fund, which pays me reliably over time. <laughs>